For this week's Retro News, turn to page 84. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. New Atari, more like old Atari. Steaming Spectrum Gamers. Steve Jackson announces new fighting fantasy book. All this and more on This Week in Retro. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. So just in case you're not aware, Neil, the most popular submission that we've ever had on the subreddit, with more than double that of the next submission, is congratulations <laughs> on your marriage. Congratulations, Neil. How do you feel? Thank you, guys. Um, I feel like I've got a cold, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't <laughs> hear that. But, um, no, I feel great. And um, I, I appreciate the kind words that you put out last week. I really enjoyed listening to last week's show as a regular listener. It yeah. was so nice. Made a coffee, sat down, listened to you guys chat retro. It was brilliant. You and, should become um, a yeah, Patreon. Again, uh, yeah, I will if Dave <laughs> sorts out the website. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was nice. Had a week off. Bit unwell. Um, you got a week off. Just a week off, uh, <laughs> and a week off, and um, yeah, just had a nice time. It was a very low key thing. Two of us, two witnesses, down the registry office. We got it done, and then we had a couple of days at a hotel, so it was nice. nice. Yeah, how have you guys been? Um, I've just been messing about on my um, Spectrum Plus Three, and also my Acorn Electron. Um, is what I've been getting into. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm basically stockpiling videos because I'm going away soon. So <laughs> that's what I've been up to. Um, but yeah, Driller, Driller. That's the main one I've been um, great game playing about with. Fantastic, isn't it? And it's the Spectrum yeah. version I played back in the day. Uh, I did jump on the Amiga version. And I thought this doesn't ring any bells. Yes, it's more colourful and everything, but the Spectrum is the one that pulls on the nostalgia string. So went back yeah. to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's great how those old games. Um, uh, what, what did they call it? The um, Freescape, the old Freescape yeah, games. It's, it's amazing how they capture an atmosphere. Mm. There's, there's an eerie atmosphere about those games, uh, which still holds up today. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I love the Steiner learned art on Driller. I think it's fantastic. Um, I've been still doing my PCs. Uh, I bought a replacement KVM, spent hours rewiring it with a new KVM, and it didn't work. So I had to then unwire it and rewire it, but I'm nearly there. My MMX PC is now properly running. I sat yesterday and watched um, Hoffman build his own uh, DOS PC, which was, yeah, um, was watching that. Yeah, what yeah. I've been doing. Yeah, it was great. Um, he was delighted. See, when he got uh, Descent running, he was he was really enjoying it. Games are great from back then. Um, emptied the car yesterday, so all that stuff that I picked up. I remember I mentioned that I'd gone and picked up. Uh, two weeks ago, Dave. Board. Yes, it's now out the car and it's in the living room. Uh, hello, Johnny. Um, so that's uh, I'm probably going to stream that uh, with the guy Happy Coding. His, it's his stuff. Uh, he's, he streams on Twitch, so I'm probably going to um, – he's going to do a stream and I, I'll, I'll go through the stuff with him so you can see what's there because it's been ages since he's seen it. Now there's a are story. Gonna, um, are you going to are you going to clean it while streaming? Because there's a few dusty bits in there, aren't there? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so much of it. Uh, I think um, I'd be best just to have a look and see what's actually there, and maybe get a list of what's 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 there and uh, and what um, can be done with it. Um, I, I don't know. There's loads and loads of micros. There must be there must be must be twenty different things there. Uh, it's an incredible amount. Um, 
Now, there was a story that we didn't pick up on this week, despite it being popular in the subreddit. I thought I'd mention it um, because we do look at what we do look at what the most um, upvoted things are, and it looked like the Intellivision Amico was finally dead, and that the trademark was abandoned. But it turned out to be a known story, as they have re-registered it. So maybe it's only a flesh wound. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be around next week. And also a correction. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, a regular part one. of our show. <laughs> another well, one story. well, <laughs> well, hold your hold your thoughts on that. Um, there was a correction came in um, about Tie Fighter. I had said that you couldn't do very well in X Wing with a mouse, and that you needed the joystick in Tie Fighter. And Nick Daniel says you could not only play Tie Fighter with a mouse. I beat it and X Wing with a mouse. So you feel no, sir. Well, Nick, I had a look at my box games. Uh -oh. And if you look at X-Wing, if you look at X-Wing, it says input device, joystick or mouse, brackets, joystick recommend. And I'm holding up to that the camera for proof. <laughs> and if you look at X-Wing on the disc version, the floppy disc version, it says input TIE device, fighter. joystick. Sorry, yeah, TIE Fighter. Yep. Mm. Um, that's what I said. No correction of corrections. Um, it says... <laughs> Input device joystick required, <gasps> and even on the collector CD-ROM version, which is the the last version, because we don't talk about the, the the Windows version, it says input device joystick required. So, I'm afraid to have say you I'm tried right. that? Have you have you tested that? I mean, it's one thing saying it on the box; it might just work with a mouse. No, it doesn't. I've tested it. You've tested. Uh, you haven't said that in a convincing <laughs> way, Dave. <laughs> Looks to the side. <laughs> All I've attempted to do here is justify why I said you needed a joystick. Okay. Okay. You read the box. Yeah. If, <laughs> okay. if Nick's not happy with that, you can meet me outside for a fight. Okay. Nice. Well, on that bombshell, into our first story. <laughs> So our first story this week is all about Atari, a regular on the show, well known for hotels, gambling and cryptocurrencies. Uh, but they've done something completely out of character this week. They've popped up as a sponsor at an old school demo party. The party in question is sillyventure.eu. Uh, and on their website, it says that the event is held from August 12th to August 15th. And it's been sponsored by Atari. And it's not a joke. I mean, that's the first thing you'd think, wouldn't it? A silly venture, Atari. They're, they're just they're just playing with us. But no, it's completely true. They've even included prizes in the form of the Atari VCS console. And apparently, all submitted entries to the competition will be viewed by Atari management, whoever they are these days. Uh, the event itself began in 2000 as a one-off, only to return in 2004, 2010, and then it became more consistent with gatherings in 2017, 18, 19, and 20, or at least that's what I can make out on the website. And it's located in Germany. So the coming together of Atari, uh, celebrating the 50th year of the company, and this little demo party, it must really have the event organizers buzzing. I mean, I would be over the moon if Atari was sponsoring something that I was doing. And I have to say, it's the first thing that I've seen Atari do in a long time that's made me feel good about them in the modern day. Uh, it's really simple, just basic grassroots support for a, a good community event. Not NFTs, not gambling, none of that nonsense. Dave, does this make you feel warm and fuzzy? Or do you have any other similar suggestions for Atari to try supporting the fans in this way? Yeah, I think the only sponsorship that a demo party could get that's bigger than Atari is RMC Retro. Um, 
Yeah. They did sponsor you. You, spon- you sponsored. I forgot the name of it. Revision was revision, it? Revision. Yeah, the last two yeah. years I like to sponsor yeah. Revision. But yes, yeah. uh, let, let's be under no illusions. I am not Atari. Um, <laughs> I say that, but then uh, who even are Atari these days? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I do like this. I, I, I like it. I mean, it, it is modern Atari, and they've there are a long, long way to go before I would be convinced that they're a force for good. But it is a good move. I wonder if there's anything that they can do to help encourage development on some of the existing platforms. Um, the Jaguar, for example, homebrew on the Jaguar could be incredible. But I can't think of a way for them to do it and make money from it. But maybe they could do what Nintendo don't and be the opposite of Nintendo and embrace homebrew, release copyrights into the public domain, encourage it and stop going after and hunting and shutting down projects. Maybe they could do that to, and it might improve the brand name, whereas Nintendo, for all the, the great products they produce, they have a bad reputation for shutting down fan projects. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because Atari, they obviously don't have the budget of Nintendo, Sega, Sony, Microsoft, all those companies. So they can't really do vanity projects. Um, so grassroots level support seems like a good idea for image. Um, I like some of the ideas you threw around there. For, could you imagine if Atari started doing sort of a basic school of game programming or something like that, teamed up with the Raspberry Pi project, and you had an Atari-branded you know, course, but um, entry-level course for game design, um, in which maybe they opened up some of those old classic games and showed off some of the basic trip, uh, tricks that they that they used. Um, and for the hardcore, you know, maybe just uh, open source some of those games from 50 years ago and, and say, look, these are some of the extreme tricks that we had to apply to make these work in at such a limited system as the VCS. That would be great fun, but it all involves money, doesn't it? And that's money that I'm guessing they don't have. So it's very difficult. I think all Atari can do, and we've spoken about it before, is probably get into the Sega model of making software for all platforms, lean into the 50 years of um, franchises, characters, you know, all of those games that they've got behind them. But they do need to move forward with new ones as well. They do need to come up with new stuff. Um, so, yeah, and maybe the odd trinket, the odd mini console, the VCS, things like that, of course, just like Sega are doing with their mini Mega Drive and all of that. Um, just do away, just ditch the gambling nonsense and the crypto nonsense and the hotels. Let's move on. Which they made noises about last year when they assigned a new CEO, didn't they? And they seem to be making good on that. This is at least a very small sign that they're making good on that and going in the right direction. Um, all in the name of, I guess, treating the Atari name with respect. That's what it all comes down to. So 50 years to lean into shouldn't be hard, should it, Chris? No, I don't think it is hard at all. Um, and, well, funny enough, I think, I think they're now trying. I mean, you know, we saw them reemerge. There was these weird rumours of, you know, hotels and, and um, casinos that we've discussed before. Um, and then there was the VCS, which, again, we've covered, you know, a bit underpowered and overpriced. But that, I think they're now sort of catering more to the fans. Um, one of the things I picked up on, I was listening to um, the Retro Hour, who, even though they're our competition, they're also our friends, so it's absolutely fine. Um, and they mentioned that Atari, as part of their 50th anniversary celebration, they're bringing out a software package called um, the Atari 50th, the anniversary celebration. Um, and what that is, is it's a collection of, you know, original games, 2,600 games, 7,800 games, but also games that we haven't seen re-released right up to the Atari Jaguar titles, which is fantastic. Ooh. 
and that's going to be available on um you know xbox one ps5 uh, ps4 switch and pc via steam and i think it's the epic store um as well as the new vcs so at long last there'll be something worth playing on the vcs um so you know I, I, you know you see things like that and why does it take the 50th anniversary the 50th celebrate uh, celebration to force them to think about something like that but maybe they're just finding their feet is what i'm i'm trying to give them you know the benefit after of the 50 doubt. years yeah after 50 years. No, no, i'm talking about the, new, the the current custodians of the name i think maybe they're just finding yeah. their feet and and going okay this is what the brand is and this is what the fans actually want and you know what you can cater to the fans and make money there's nothing wrong with that so i wish them all the best with things like that and i'm certainly going to be looking out i've never bought two copies of something you know one to play and one to keep but when i the more i've looked up about this 50th anniversary celebration i'm tempted to do that for the first time you know buy one um to, to actually play and one to keep in the cellophane um for you know a future collectible because it's looking nice from what I've looked up. Um, it's, it's cool. A slippery slope. It's a slippery it slope. Is. Future collectibles. Just, just this one. Just this one. Um, but yeah. I, I think it would actually You're be awesome. really nice to play this on the VCS. Um, but obviously that that's that's download only. It doesn't have physical media. But the VCS, oh, I, I, I really shouldn't have looked it up. The VCS is currently on sale over here for $498. So it's around £250. That's slowly sliding into the tempting price bracket, in my opinion. Um, just remind me, it's effectively a Linux-based console, isn't it? Can you just pop up the Linux desktop and use it like a desktop? Computer? You can use it like a PC. I don't know if you can run Windows on it. it essentially, it's an AMD PC. It's an AMD based. It's a Ryzen-based PC is what's inside it. Um, so their OS is is um, is their OS even based on Linux? I don't know. I don't want to say anything for sure and then welcome another correction sure. but if you know more than me feel free to let us know in the comments <laughs> or the subreddit but um sure. so, yeah so it's, you could, it's, it's essentially an got, pc so it's probably got the likes of the netflix app and things like that on there um so 250 pound that's very tempting as a as a machine to sit and look nice under your television yeah and i, I said last week and I said it a million times that they look gorgeous they're a really nice looking machine they've done that retro style but in a modern form factor, really well, better than most, I would argue. Yeah, it looks good. I, I, I'm hearing you. I'm starting to get a little twinge of of FOMO, of fear of missing out. Thinking, <laughs> is this a nice little device to have? And maybe ten years time be good for 2022 games. And I, I'm no, Dave. No, don't buy it. You're not going to use it. Um, <laughs> I've seen it's four hundred dollars in the in the USA for the the walnut. You want the walnut. You don't want the Onyx one. You want the walnut. Oh, yeah. You want the wood grain. Um, four hundred dollars for that, and that's got the the Atari style joystick and the. Uh, and the the kind of modern console pad, um, but I don't see it in the UK. Uh, I don't you don't see need a, to go into too much detail for Chris because he won't take it out of the packaging. I know, I know. <laughs> Belong in packaging. Rip the oh, packaging look. off. Throw it I'm away. I'm back on the website now. I need to check if it's the walnut one. <laughs> Hang on. Do either oh, you know of the you have? One. Do either of you have anything that you've bought recently or sat on your shelves that you've that you've not opened? Because of what Chris just said, a future collectible. It looks like the no. walnut one. Um, no. I've got games no, like, I mean, Betrayal and, and Antara is a game that I'm going to play once I've finished with Betrayal and Crondor. It happens to be sealed because it wasn't, it, 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 that's just how it was, but it'll be unsealed as soon as I go to use it. I'll be quite happy to rip the seal off. That's what it's for. Yeah. The only one I've got is um, Shroud of the Avatar, which was uh, ah. the 
Richard Garriott's follow-up to Ultima yeah. kickstarted, which um, I, I backed. So I got the online download edition, download version, but then I also got a physical edition. So I've got it installed. I mean, it's an awful game. Um, and I've got no reason to open the boxed version because it was designed to be download only. So you don't need any of the trinkets, the maps or maybe, anything. Maybe that's something to hold on to and sell to get some of your money back on what was probably i mean from you you and me are more about the single player side of it the single player side of it i don't think was anything worth writing all about not at all not at all so um yeah maybe one day i can sell that and buy um uh, ultima 6 or something <laughs> get something decent from me buy my spare copy from you do you want to do a swap <laughs> no <laughs> anyway we're way off topic now um atari celebrating oh, their yeah, 50th atari. anniversary yeah and um doing good things i don't know maybe we'll see them sponsor a kids football kit soon or something like that but um let's hope so keep it up atari you're you're going in the right direction and that's very welcome paul aka hermsky has shot us a link to a story on pc gamer by jonathan bolding um, about some games dropping on steam spectrum games so the story details how uh, publisher Pixel Games UK has started to push old Sinclair Spectrum games onto the platform and details a few in the story like Hungry Horace and Monty Mole. So I actually quick, took a quick look on the Steam store and actually Pixel Games UK has published um, 37 games, I think it is, so far. Not all of those are Spectrum games. Some are DOS and other systems as well. So obviously I'm not going to read the complete list, but uh, in terms of the Spectrum games, uh, just to name a few, you've got the Horus Trilogy, uh, which you can buy individually or as a bundle. So you've got Horus Goes Skiing, um, Hungry Horus, Horace and the Spiders. Uh, you've also got Gift from the Gods, 3D Combat Zone, uh, which I think is a, a Battle Zone clone, Nomad, uh, Monty Mole, and Monty on the Run. The list goes on. I didn't see Alvidaze Monty there, much to my dismay, because as previously discussed in another episode, that was one of my favorite Spectrum games at the time. But um, prices range from just under a couple of uh, quid to around four pounds per game with some bundles also available. Um, so you can get bundles of more than one game. Um, anything grab your fancy, lads? Well, um, I did have a look through Steam. I typed in uh, Pixel Games UK to see what was listed there. Um, I guess the first one that came up that I would probably take was California Games. Everyone knows California Games. It's always fun. You can waste 30 minutes on it, kicking up a hacky sack or, you know, trying to ride the BMX. Um, it's usually the half pipe I go for on the skateboard takes a while to get your timing in but once you do it feels good there's quite a mix there there's games that you wouldn't perhaps expect to be on steam as retro games i guess it's just um it, it's like they're scattergunning anything and everything that they just happen to have a license for uh, one of them is lost patrol which is um well known as a classic on the amiga but it's the ms dos version um, and you watch the trailer and it's got some sort of modern music playing over it and not the best thing about the whole game on the Amiga, the, the soundtrack, that's that's not there because it's the DOS version. And they're charging £4.79 for that. Hmm. What do you think? I think that might be a little bit on the high end. Bit up there. I'm presuming it's £4.79 so they can put an offer at £2.20. Oh, Steam. you think so? Right. That would make sense. So, yeah, Lost Patrol. Uh, the Monty, as you mentioned, the Monty game is probably the best series on there. Um, and it seems, of course, they've got the right to sell that, as they do have the rights to sell Horace, which begs the question, do Pixel Games have anything to do with that 
chap who was issuing takedowns on people who were using Horus a few years back. Um, uh, Paul Andrews, wasn't it? And Retro Games Limited and all, all these guys. Um, is, does Pixel Games have a connection? Do we know? Or has the license just moved on? Uh, Any I, idea? I actually don't. I suspect, um, but I don't know for sure, in all honesty. So, Yeah, so I, I've, I've had a little bit of a look. Uh, I've tried to find out if this company is linked to Paul Andrews and his uh, his few companies there, and I, I'm not able to determine if they are or not. I found what I think is the company uh, that's releasing these games in Steam, and there don't seem to be any links through Company's House, but that's not to say that there aren't any links and perhaps the licensing, licensing from uh, Paul Andrews and so on. I, I don't know. Tell us a bit more about it, Chris. It's on Steam, then. Yeah, yes, it's on Steam. Um, some may have options to play um, both the Spectrum or the CPC version, for example. Uh, and some games, in all honesty, when looking through, it's not clear which version you're actually buying. So the description for California Games, for example, mentions the C64 and the Lynx, but I, I found myself being confused as to which version I was actually getting for my money. Uh, That's but weird. I mean, it, th this would present an even bigger licensing issue, but wouldn't it be cool if you could buy California games and just switch between all the versions? Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Mid-game? <laughs> Mid-game. Well, mid <laughs> Yeah. 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 That would be great. That would be cool. I mean, I, I, I think I mentioned this on the show recently. I want to create a screenshots may vary style display in the cave where you can have an arcade version of the game and then all the ports on little screens next to it. And you can either switch between them or you can just look at them and see the difference and that kind of thing. Um, but to be able to download a game on Steam and, mm. yeah, switch between them. There's no reason... Well, there is a reason. You couldn't switch between them and the gameplay wouldn't be continuous because, you know, the emulation would be at different points and whatnot. But it would be nice to have the different versions to switch through, yeah. Well, we're not working hard enough. Let's make it so that the gameplay is continuous. How cool would that be? <laughs> Some games have done that. Like on the PS4, you've got the modern version of Gods, but you can flick back into the retro graphics. Uh, you know, you've kind of got that pseudo effect there. Be the tentacle, oh, you can on, do that, yeah. Yeah, same on Saboteur on the PS4 as well, actually. So Saboteur, you can flick between... Um, spectrum and c64 and the gameplay is is fluid so yeah it can be done. we just need to work harder deal and just work harder uh, but anyway look I, I i just love these you know regardless of who owns the licensing or who's you know who's buying what off who i just think it's a great way to make older games accessible again to the community um old and young players alike you know um so but I guess the fear is does this mean that you know the the tap files or the tzx images of these games on backup sites if we can call them that will start to go missing you know is this going to mean the copyright strike police are going to get more involved what do you reckon dave uh i'm not too worried about that there's so many copies out there that are not going to disappear it's not difficult to get hold of them and i don't i think that when you buy these games you don't buy them because you don't have access to play them any other way you buy them for convenience someone's wrapped it up in a nice little wrapper and steam you can hit a button and play the game that you're paying for the convenience there um now, when I looked at these, I, I overlooked. I thought that it was just Spectrum. I didn't realize there was CPC there as well because I've I've said no, I don't fancy these games because there's things like Bounder. I played my CPC until I rage quit, and then Monty and the Run, which is ridiculously difficult, and the Skate Pack is unfair. I paid that. I played that a fair bit on the on the CPC. I didn't realize you get the CPC versions in this. I didn't look it, uh, far enough into it. I'm afraid. Uh, I know Penetrator 
um, is a good scramble uh, clone, but there's better out there. But that's a good Spectrum game. Um, I think it's good to see these things available. Uh, and I, I don't think those prices you can grumble at too much. With Steam, I think we're used to seeing the headline price being the price that nobody pays. Uh, and then there's always... Uh, every few weeks they, they reduce the price down so I reckon you'll, you'll pick these up for, for buttons at some point when they put them on sale uh, I mean the £4.79 for Lost Patrol maybe if you had great nostalgia for that game I want to play that game now you go and you buy it but it's the kind of thing you'd wish list and it'll come up at £2.20 and you'll buy it that way um, but there are some games there that do interest me Temple of Apshai is, is a TRS-80 game I've never played it but I'd like to take a, a proper look someday it's a really early uh, 70s role-playing game rather than 80s I think uh, Lost Patrol that we've mentioned a few times is on my to-do list loads of people have recommended it and uh, they have the DOS version I don't know if the DOS version holds up to the Amiga version in terms of the music I mean um, it might be it might be better it might be worse uh, it's difficult to say it's from that period where DOS started to get good but there's some really rotten DOS games around then and the the the, the epics games to me are all C64 games um I wouldn't want to play them in the Spectrum. So the slim pickings in the Spectrum front for me there, I'm afraid, Chris. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, it reminds me, when I first got into smartphones and tablets, you know, when they first started being a thing in each of our hands, one of the first things I looked for on the app stores, and both I'm talking both the, for the iPhone and also Android app stores, was old games and um, Spy Hunter. Spy Hunter was one that I remember searching for, and I just assumed they'd be there. Uh, and they weren't. Um, so mm. this is why I think I advocate making older games available legally and exposing them to new audiences who don't want to faff about with emulators or even know what one is. And most of the prices, you know, I've seen are reasonable. And like you've just said there, that's that's a great tip, Dave. That's what I do with GOG is I'll just add stuff to my wish list and I'll wait until it comes out for, you know, $2, one pound. And, and that's when I'll grab it. I'll add it to my library. You don't even have to even have to bother downloading it. You know, you've bought it yeah. and you can download yeah. it if you ever feel like playing it. True. But my only pushback on that is if I come back to the example of Lost Patrol hmm. is, um, you know, if people have heard about these games and they're younger, they didn't play them first time around. So they want to go back and see what it's all about. And they're not getting the definitive version then. Yeah. And there's oh. nothing to suggest otherwise then you know, I'm not. I'm not too happy about that. I'd rather people got a nicely curated, uh, best example of 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 the game. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about yeah. how to get them cheap, but I totally yeah. agree with that. Should be the best example, or like we've discussed, a, a be a great feature to just play multiple versions, buy the game once, and have several emulated versions. That'd be great. So, um, yeah, I mean, if this is appealing for you as a Spectrum gamer or a C64 gamer or a CPC gamer, see what they've got, DOS gamer, um, and you just want gamer. an easy nostalgia fix. <laughs> gamer gamer. Yeah, okay. Just, let's go with gamer. If you're a gamer and you want a nostalgia fix, there you go. Go for your life. Keep listing systems, Chris. Come on, two more. <laughs> How many more systems can we list? <laughs> which, which type of Spectrum? <laughs> ZX... Steve Jackson announces new fighting fantasy book. In fact, I should say that the person, the fantastic person that submitted this to the subreddit was me because I saw <laughs> this and immediately was interested and I submitted it and enough people upvoted it that I gave me permission to speak about it. So that's what we're going to do. In March 1983, the top three books on the Times bestseller list were all from the fighting fantasy series written by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. 
These books were incredibly popular. It's a, if you want a snapshot in history, there was this this phenomenon in 1983. We talked about Stranger Things and D and D, and D and D was popular in the UK, but these books were a British phenomenon, and they were probably at their peak, even more popular than D and D. Um, they were a complete role playing game. The rules and the adventure in one book. You just needed to raid the Monopoly box for a six-sided dice and get a pencil and a bit of paper and you could play. Um, and if you don't remember these, if you didn't come across them, then maybe you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which are the, a similar idea, but without the role-playing elements. And they're much milder. Um, you can think of fighting fantasy as role-playing games and Choose Your Own Adventure as text adventures. The first in the series is The Warlock of Firetop Mountain, and the others that I can remember are City of Thieves, Death Trap Dungeon, Island of the Lizard King, Forest of Doom. They're amazing places for me to visit as a kid, and the cover of every book said, a fighting fantasy game book in which you are the hero. I loved these books. You would have your, you, you would have your strength, your stamina and your skill written down, and you would explore through the, ga the, the game book, making choices like fighting the orc or running from it, climbing the statue to get the gems from its eyes, etc. You would roll the dice during combat. The book would send you to page 46 if you did this and page 104 if you did that. So you'd end up uh, with, if you're anything like me and apparently other people, you would end up with your fingers marking various different pages so that you could backtrack. Um, think of it kind of like save scumming. Um, so you could kind of make the wrong decision and then quickly go back without starting again. Cheating, yes, absolutely. Um, as an eight or nine-year-old kid, I loved them. I really did love them. Right up to the point where I got my Amstrad CPC and I think more or less forgot about them. I think I just abandoned them when I got the computer until I heard about them again maybe six months ago. And then in the subreddit, I got that jewel of nostalgic memory for something that I would have never thought about again. It would, it, I would never remember them um, unless reminded. Now, Neil, you're a few years younger than me, and I did wonder if that meant that these had passed you by. And uh, have you, have you heard them? Have you played them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was absolutely obsessed with these books, and it's interesting that you say you put them down when you got your Amstrad CPC because I link owning these books very closely with owning an eight-bit micro. It was that period, I see. and. Um, yeah, between the fighting fantasy books and things like the Osborne basic programming books, those real simple introduction to programming computers books, these are the reason I had a library card. I would go up to the top of town where the library was and um, and take them out. And then I also bought, I probably owned 10 or 15 of the fighting fantasy books on my own bookshelf. God knows where they went. My mum probably gave them away. Or took them to Did you use your fingers to cheat? Something. Oh, I cheated. Of course I cheated because I wanted to read every page of the thing. Yeah. Um, first one I had, I think, was Death Trap Dungeon. Um, the one I reread the most or replayed, I guess, was Freeway Fighters, probably simply because it had cover art that I thought was the coolest. It had these sort of um, Mad Max style uh, folk with um, pimped out cars with spikes on them and all sorts. Um, and, and for um, people who know that art that i'm talking about uh, i later recognized that that same piece of art was used on the amiga game nitro that was a psychosis published game um so i was quite surprised when that popped up in, in a few years later um i have to admit i haven't revisited these books since i was a kid um 
So I don't know how well they hold up today. I'd like to hope in my head that they hold up well and they can still be enjoyed. Um, Dave, have you have you revisited them? No, no, I haven't. And um, as much as I'm tempted to revisit, I think I'll wait till the new one comes out in the hope that with the benefit of wisdom that the, the new one is even better than the last ones. Um, there's a, I wanted to talk about the legacy of these books because people may not know about it. The series of books themselves um, carried on and they were published and then republished by different uh, places, moving on from Puffin through others, and they're now with Scholastic, but nothing like as popular as back in 1983 and 84 and 85, etc. Uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston did step back from writing them long before then. Um, they went back to something that everybody in the UK will have heard of, and that's Games Workshop. Ian and Steve are two of the three original founders of it from back in 1975. The other founder left in 1976 because he was not interested in modern games. He was more interested in games like Backgammon. Games Workshop expanded heavily in the early to mid-80s, and it seems like this must be where the fighting fantasy profits went to. They branched out into computer games, quite a few Spectrum games in the early to mid-80s, and I'm now holding up to camera a game, um, a text adventure in a, a lovely clamshell um, called Tower of Despair, which really does sound like a fighting fantasy book. The art in the front is is like that as well. And the blurb on the back does mention uh, fighting fantasy, so it's clear I think they were trying to get that kind of feeling into computer games. But their most successful computer games have actually come from third parties making it on their own, and that's the Warhammer license, Dawn of War, etc., all those kind of things. Huge success. They did buy the rights to distribute other games, including D&D in the late 70s, and they seemed to expand that into all sorts of things through the Games Workshop shops, uh, and that went global in the early 90s as well in various different countries. They ended up converting that to only their own games and then pretty much Warhammer only, um, but they're still a huge company. The turnover was uh, £350 million last year, um, and there's also there was, a uh, game. Th th there was one. Sorry, Dave. I don't know if you were going to mention this. There was Death Trap Dungeon, uh, which actually came out in '98, which was a, a 3D game um, published by yes. Square Enix. It's still on Steam, actually. Uh, yeah, looks very there's much two... of the era. <laughs> yeah, there's there's two Death Trap Dungeons on Steam. I was going to talk about the other one, not that one you met. The one you mentioned is nothing, nothing worth looking at. It's 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 not worth visiting. I don't think it's got anything redeeming about oh, it. But the it's other got a one, T Rex in it, Dave. There's a T Rex in a dungeon here. I've got two rock. Um, <laughs> there is um, another uh, Death Trap dungeon on Steam, and it's great. Um, I watched it in a Twitch stream, uh, and it's the game is based on Death Trap Dungeon, and it's narrated by Eddie Marsan, who. You may not have think you've heard of, but I promise you've seen him in TV and films. The narration is wonderful. It's uh, pretty true to the original book. It's almost a one-to-one -one, uh, version of the original book. And he even sits in a chair like Neil's big brown chair, even <laughs> though it's bigger than Neil's big brown chair. And he takes his time with the narration. It's really, really good. I highly recommend you try it. Uh, it's only a few quid in Steam. 
Um, Just going back to the other one, there's a review on the other Death Trap dungeon here on Steam. It says, (laughs) it's like Dark Souls, except instead of fighting enemies, you fight the controls and the camera. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, That was the case for a lot of 3D games back in the the late 90s. Uh, They hadn't worked out how to do do the UI yet Um, (laughs) and camera angles. But the news is that Steve Jackson's first fighting fantasy book since the mid-80s is coming out the 1st of September. September? September. Uh, Secrets of Salamonis. Video viewers will see the cover, thanks to producer Duncan, but right up the top it does say, you are the hero. So this is going back to kind of roots, nostalgia things within the 80s. Is this the Stranger Things effect, Chris? Are we all in general looking for things for simpler times? No, no. That's a good point, Dave. I, I do hope it is sort of a heart back. I love it when we sort of go back to things in their original form factor. I think that's wonderful. So to they could have done this as, you know, like a, an online adventure or something like that and or done it as a mobile game. But to choose it, to choose to do it as a print media, that's fantastic. I never played these particular ga- uh, books, but what we did in English class, I, I don't know if you remember the Lone Wolf series. So I think that would have been one of those watered down versions yeah. you were talking about. Lone Wolf. Oh, look it up. They were fantastic. So our English teacher, she did that. And and we would always do it in groups. So she'd sort of read it out and then each table would be a separate team. And we'd decide where we were going to go in the adventure next. And and what I always recall is uh, my table was always the one to get us killed. (laughs) We'd always make the poor choice. But if you read the the pit. Yeah. If you're reading it for yourself, though, well, the great thing about her doing it is we didn't get to know the page numbers because when you're reading those books for yourself, obviously there would usually be several what I would call death pages, but generally you get to to recognize the page number. So if it said turn to page 92, for example, you would never choose that option because you knew you were going to end up dead. So, um, yeah, yeah. Those are my memories of this this kind of uh, book. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic project. Sounds, Sounds exciting. So I mentioned the new book comes out in September and here's the blurb from it on the back to see if it entices you. You, the hero, travel to the city of Salamonis to make your fortune. But will you join the strong arms and travel across Alansia guarding merchant caravans? Or will you study at the famous Halls of Learning? Will you enter Bufon Fen in search of cauldronweed or rid King Salomon's mine of the pests that plague it? Will you bring Cardinal Zinn to justice or set off in search of the horn of the black unicorn? And just who is the shivering man? And what does he have to do with the mystery of the screaming sky? It is down to you to uncover the secrets of Salamonis. It's time now for the community question of the week. Now, last week's question, which was asked by Chris and Dave, and Chris has had to dash off now, so it's just the two of us to wrap up the show. Uh, the question was, Atari is 50. Yay. Do you have any memories or stories about what Atari means to you? It may not be the gaming powerhouse it once was, but it has a rich history and we want to know how it impacted on your life. Dave, do you want to read the first one? Yeah, the first one is from Richard Shears. And he says, back in the 70s, going round to a cousin's house, he had just got the Atari 2600. Being very young, I'd never seen electronic games before. I instantly fell in love. That was a wonderful afternoon. I don't remember which games we played, but I do remember the excitement and seemingly endless possibilities. It captivated me. I didn't go down the Atari path until the end. 
Yep, I was one of the few that fell for the Atari Jag. However, it was the very first stepping stone to such a wondrous journey. Nice. Um, the next answer comes from Arv, who simply says, Gauntlet. Back when it was released, the local beach had a cafeteria with a small arcade, mostly rather humdrum games and aging pinball machines, and Gauntlet. Rather than go swimming or get a tan, we'd spend hours in front of that cabinet. Why not the 2600, 400, 800 ST? Let's just, see, let's just say that nobody here owned one. It was all specky C64s, and then the 16-bit era um, came around, and the Amiga. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are my memories, um, very similar to Arv. I always have and always will associate Atari with amazing arcade games, not necessarily home consoles, simply because nobody I knew really owned one. Um, everyone has it's a funny consoles. thing that we, we, we maybe, maybe mentioned it before, but um, it's a funny thing how your circle of friends all had the same thing as you. Um, he, he talks about no one had the ST, but when I grew up, only one person had the Amiga, everyone else had an ST. So I, I think the parents must have colluded. Well, no, to be fair, I was one of the few Amiga owners, there was one ST owner. Um, but yeah, it certainly got more concentrated as we went to the different um, generations. 8-bit, very diverse, 16-bit, less so. And then it was all PC or PlayStation, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to read the third and final answer from Quan Mang? So Quan Mang says, there is so much that could be said here. And he then goes on to say so much. Atari <laughs> entered my world with the Atari VCS, original six-switch model that my father bought for the family. So many games, combat, video Olympics, Circus Atari, Missile Command, Pitfall. I could go on and on here. This would be the only Atari console or computer that I would ever have, though the movie Cloak and Dagger made me want a 5200 at one point, even though I learned later that there were in fact no point of the arcade game, no port of the arcade game to be found in that system, that it was the arcade game itself that was used and the cart was faked. Never happens in any other films. <laughs> Lastly, while never owning a Lynx myself, I did see others with it and their collections of tiny carts, so I did want one. So many arcade memories, but the one I will leave here is Asteroids and the handful of quarters that my father would leave 10-year-old me with when he had to take me with him to do something at the college. Working on MBA, question mark. And then he left me in the student centre with an Asteroids machine to mine me in the meantime. Other memories include um, several arcade machines. Ah, it must be several arcade machines with their unique controls like 720 Degrees and Paperboy. As for computers, while I never owned one, some memories are of the local video store where they had either the 400, an 800, maybe it was just a 400 that one of the employees would be often playing a game on. Also another movie memory, this time Daryl, where the titular character rocked on pole position, not really just sped up footage with a fake score jump at the end. Shane explains that in a recent Rares video. Oh, Daryl, so sad when he ejected from the from the blackbird and landed in the lake and we thought he was dead. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. It was a, a, film, a Disney movie about a kid who turned out to be a robot and played pole position like an absolute, well, like the machine he was. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, spoilers, anyone that was planning on watching Daryl this week. Uh, thank you, robot. everyone. 
<laughs> Thank you, everyone, for your community question of the week. And it says Dave is holding up uh, something that just arrived while we were chatting, the MK8330, which I believe you covered on last week's show. Yes, we did. This is the one that I talked about last week. It looks great. It's a, um, an ISA sound card. Um, it's yeah, it's gonna it's gonna go into my Pentium three build, and it will do all I need it to do for DOS gaming, and oh. early early's Windows ninety eight. So, and now Dave will read out our community question of the week for this week. If you'd like to participate, head over to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can submit news stories for us to consider for the show, and you can participate in the question of the week. Dave, what is our question? So this week we talked about fight, uh, fighting fantasy books, but Chris talked about some other books he played, um, something about lone wolf novels. Um, what are your um, what are your gaming uh, novel uh, recollections? Was it the fighting fantasy? Was there something similar in the United States of America? I, I, I did, did fighting fantasy make its way across there? Was there anything else that you played that was similar to these? Let us know. I love it. Gaming books. Yeah, all your gaming books memories. Look forward to that. As I said, head over to the subreddit, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro. We look forward to all of your answers. Thank you as always for listening. Next week, I think it's just the two of us, Dave. Yeah, Chris is uh, Chris is not going to be here. He's uh, he's travelling over um, to United Kingdom. I don't know if he's ever been here to the UK before. <laughs> um, obviously, he's, he's born and bred in Australia, as we as, as famously <laughs> know. Um, so just the two of us. Um, and um, there, there will be a change. We're moving podcast hosts, but you shouldn't notice. But if you do have any problems, please do let us know. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RNC The Cave, Chris from 005 The Gamer, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech.